So the scripture that we're reading today is from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 8 through 24. This is a long text, but it's in a narrative form, so I invite you to follow along on the screen or just uh, close your eyes and listen if you'd prefer. This is the word of the Lord. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves among the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to me gave to be with me, She gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? And the woman said, Well, the serpent tricked me, and I ate it. The Lord God said then to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband. And he shall rule over you. And to the man he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of the dust, for you, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all, living, of all living things. And the Lord God made garments of skin for the man and for his wife, and he clothed them. The Lord God said, See, the, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So last week I began a series on the problem of evil, and I decided to preach about evil, and I actually knew, I thought, okay, Uh, These two families are going to be here today. What's a good thing to talk about? But maybe one of the most important things to talk about in the Christian faith is pain, suffering, and evil. Because most of us, uh, when it really comes down to what we believe about God, most of us will get stuck at this problem. Whenever we experience pain and suffering, we wonder why. Why did God do this to me is what some people say. How could God allow this? How could God be loving? Why would God ever have this as part of the plan for my life? 
which we talked a little bit about that uh, last week and other weeks. I don't actually believe that God's plan for your life is to experience pain and suffering. That God's not saying, I want you, Doug, to experience this. You're going to go through this and you're really going to, let, to learn this lesson. So the problem of pain is actually really complicated. And so I've taken several weeks to try and dissect little pieces. And I'm going to repeat this sermon series for hopefully every year, actually, and fine-tune it and refine it so that we can come to some kind of a working theology, a working understanding of pain and suffering, so that when you go through pain and suffering, because you will, I will as well, when you go through those difficult times in your life, your knee-jerk reaction will not be, God did this to me, therefore God does not love me. How can we sing this song, Jesus loves me, this I know, and then as soon as we experience difficulty in life, we say, ugh, I don't think God actually loves me. And then sadly, we walk away from God. We walk away from the church. And we just start to wander in this life, which is it's just reality. So last week, we talked about the origins of, of sin, of evil, pain, and suffering. And we talked about the moral choice, the moral consequence that God made you and I to be in a loving relationship. That's how we were created. But in order for us to love one another and to love God, we have to be able to choose love. If I were to say to my children, you're going to love me no matter what, you don't have a choice. Is that really love? Maybe not. So we looked at the, the problem of Adam and Eve choosing to not love God and choosing to not uh, obey God's commands, and so we experience all kinds of consequence because of that. Our choices actually harm one another. So today, I want to talk about something that's a little bit more difficult to reconcile. Are you ready? The difficulty of natural evil. So natural evils are things like cancer, uh, mental illness, addiction is another natural evil. Anything that happens that you didn't necessarily choose, and so you can say, well, okay, I, I'm a greedy person, so therefore I'm experiencing these evils in my life. Well, People don't choose to get cancer. People don't choose to have a heart attack at a young age. People don't choose to be born with a defect or, or something like that. They don't choose those things. So see, the deeper we go, we, want, we run into more problems. Now let me first give you a qualifier here because I'm going to use a really simple example to help us to just grasp. Again, this is very complex. It would take me a lifetime to try and help myself understand, let alone to help you understand the problem of evil. So I'm going to use a very simple example. But first I need you to know that pain and suffering have been something that I've been face-to-face -face with in my own life. The uncle that I was closest to in life died uh, in a year and a half from pancreatic cancer. Uh, many of you inspire me because you've lived into your 80s and 90s. It was an anomaly to me because all of my grandparents were dead before they were 75, before I was 12, 12 years old. So I just thought that people only lived till like 75. <laughs> uh, two of those grandparents died of cancer. Within one line of my family of origin, there was tremendous physical and emotional abuse that continues to uh, constrain my family today. And on the other side of my family of origin, there's a, a strong background of mental illness and addiction, alcoholism. I have plenty of examples that I could draw from. And I know that you have your own. 
But the most simple one that I want to use today is of my dog. <laughs> That's simple. It's relatable. My dog, Nellie, uh, Gina and I's dog, Nellie, died uh, almost two years ago from cancer when she was six years old. Now, Nellie was my best pal during that time. It was, uh, we had just started having children, and she started out going to the golf course with me. Uh, that was my previous career, was working on the golf course as an assistant golf course superintendent. And so Nellie went to the golf course with me every day until I became a pastor, and then she really hated it when she had to stay inside all day. But even then, after I became a pastor, I would take her and let her go swim in the lake, Lake Chatech. I know Glenn and Fran, you know, you, you know Lake Chatech. And I knew that there were certain chemicals in the lake, just like this lake down here. I knew that it was a danger to let her go swim in there. But Nellie, she experienced the most incredible life. She got to come with me to the golf course, and then she got to go with me on a regular basis for a hike and go swim in the pond, in the lake, whatever. Now, what if Nellie could ask me, you know, Dad, I was wondering, why did I have to get cancer? You see, you knew, you knew, Dad, that it was a danger to bring me to the golf course. All these chemicals that I was walking around on and even ingesting when I ate the grass, you knew that that was a problem. I said, yeah, you're right. And that's actually a literal thing that I thought about when Nellie got cancer and died within three months. Now, is that an unloving thing to do? Did I not love Nellie by letting her participate in those dangers? You tell me. <laughs> that's one of the hardest questions that we encounter in life, is why do these things happen? Uh-oh. Is that my timer? I'm done? <laughs> Why do these things happen? So I think it's important to revisit the text and to see what happens here. That God created everything in existence. And that God's greatest desire is that we would choose to love God. We talked about that already. But in order for us to be able to choose God, things have to be able to go wrong. And so first we talk about uh, the moral consequence of our choice. Of Adam and Eve's choice to be like God. That's what the text says, is that they chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they wanted to be like God. And so God is saddened by this choice. And what we read in the text today is that God, God imparts consequences for this choice. And the consequences are the price for humans wanting to be God. They wanted to be like God, and so God cast them out of the garden. Because what God desires most is that we would understand our need for Him. So when He created the Garden of Eden and everything perfect in the Garden, He created the possibility of choice. But His greatest desire is that we would understand that we need to choose to love God. Again, love is not love if it's not a choice. So what we see throughout this text and the remainder of the Bible is that pain and suffering become an opportunity to understand our need for God and our desire to be like God. This is really a fallout from an awakened desire within us. And we see the battle of good and evil raging throughout our world and throughout even our own hearts. We see strife in relationships come about. And we see pain and joyful experiences. And God says, cursed is the ground. Nature is not as God 
wanted it to be. But this is a consequence of Adam and Eve choosing other than what God wanted for them. So what we experience in this life is that pain and suffering become an opportunity to understand our need for God, our desire to be like God, and our own limits. Here's a simple example for you. What do you experience when you get a cold and you have to stay home from, from work? You have to rearrange your plans. What do you experience during that time? Are you excited? Probably not. Most of the time I say, gosh, I have so much to do. I have so much to do, I have to get all this done. I can't possibly rest. I realize my limits. And by the end of the week, you know, what's, you know what replaces that sensation? It's the joy and gratitude of being healthy. <laughs> So again, pain and suffering become an opportunity to understand our need for God and our own human limits. Now, the hardest examples are cancer or maybe coronavirus this last year. If you think about what what has caused the most strife in our society, it's because we've all realized that we are powerless to do something about what's happening in the world today. We feel despair. We wonder why. And the same is true when we have a debilitating illness like cancer. But again, as hard as these realities are to accept, they become an opportunity to understand our own limitations and our need for God. So if we have the courage to ask these deeper questions about why is this happening and not just run away from it and say, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, that God doesn't love me, that God is not all-loving, or that God is not real, if we have the courage to continue forward in a community that can give us strength, like when we lose a spouse, we don't have, uh, I shouldn't say we, those people don't have the strength to stand on their own. That's when the church becomes a real thing, giving you strength to continue moving forward with Jesus. But if we stop... Well, then how is Jesus going to present Himself to you in your life? How is Jesus going to impart love and grace into your life if you say, God doesn't love me and so I'm going to quit going to church and I'm going to hide in my house for the rest of my life? Which is a sad reality that most people experience. I felt in my own life the consequence of unresolved trauma and it lasts generation after generation after generation until finally someone says, enough. I'm not going to be the victim here anymore. Instead, I'm going to move forward and trust Jesus at His Word. And this is Jesus' Word to us. Keep in mind the one who experienced pain and suffering more more unimaginable than, than we can comprehend. Jesus died for us, experienced humiliation and suffering. And this is what Jesus says to the ones who would follow Him. Come to Me, All you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the person of Jesus, we see this desire of God. God's desire is that we would desire Him. So the pain and suffering that we go through, though we may not be able to explain it, becomes an opportunity for us to put Jesus 
to the test. To say, will he really be there for me? Is it true? Something we can't understand or learn if we run, if we hide. So every setback, every pain, every disappointment, all suffering becomes an opportunity to learn what the Apostle Paul learned in these famous words. I've had two interruptions that I think are starting to be um, God saying, wrap it up, Chad. (laughs) Wrap it up. (laughs) This is what the Apostle Paul, the conclusion that he came to as he lived this life of faith and experienced tremendous suffering, maybe more than any other human uh, next to Christ. He says, three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. Notice what Paul says, is that three times I cried out to God, why are you doing this to me? Take this away from me. Take this suffering. But this is what the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, Paul says, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. That's a powerful discovery that the Apostle Paul made. And we might say, well, he's a, he's a super saint. He's a super Christian. But friends, really, the opportunity is there for each of us to realize through our pain and suffering that we are actually powerless to do anything about it, that we can't oftentimes change our reality, but that Jesus is present to us, that he's made a way for us to know his love for us, that again, we read earlier, I hope you noticed we read it three times, (laughs) that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the presence of God, the Holy Spirit dwelling within our hearts. So this kind of discovery requires that we realize our limits and to let go of our desire of our, to be Lord of our lives and instead embrace our Lord who has no limits. No limits of, of pain, no limits of suffering, no limits, even death. So you might think, well, I didn't make that choice. So you're not convincing. So why did this happen? Quite simply, God created a world and a universe where we are free to choose, free to create, and most importantly, free to experience joy. Free to experience joy. But also, the risk of pain and suffering. So you might say again, well, what kind of God would allow this to happen? If I'm not not making these choices that lead to a cancer or some kind of other debilitating illness, then why would God let this happen? Well, my uh, quick answer would be, think about the three most common causes of cancer. This is from American Cancer Society. Three most common causes. You tell me if God does this to somebody else. Smoking and tobacco. Diet and physical activity. Sunlight and radiation, which... Our technology and the way we use it, there's thoughts that, I don't have my phone, (laughs) there's thoughts that one day we'll realize that we're doing tremendous damage to our brains by holding up this phone to it so often or holding it in our hands. Now, if you get cancer from any of those things or anything else that you expose yourself to, 
Is that God's fault? It's not an easy question to answer, is it? But you see that the choices we make play a part in what happens to us in life. And now, sometimes we have mutations within our body. And you say, well, I was born with this mutation and I didn't do anything about that. And again, I say that is a really hard reality. But not even that can separate you from the love of Christ. No pain. No suffering. So God gives us a choice. Choice involves risk, but also immense joys. And when we turn to Jesus, we have the best possible outcome within our suffering. Again, we can't change it. We can fight, we can strive, but we cannot change our reality. But we can receive the love and grace that Jesus has for us in our hearts. I wonder, you've been given the choice in your life, choice to experience tremendous joys and also the risk that's involved of pain and suffering. Would you trade, would you trade the choice to uh, not have the risk of pain? So would you give back all the joys that you've experienced in your life, all of them, so that you didn't have to experience pain and wonder why? Would you do that? I don't think I would. Because the joy that we experience from our choice and the way that we can live our lives and the discoveries that we can make in our faith, to me, personally, are worth the risk. And I hope that God would give me the strength within my own heart that when I come to even worse personal suffering, that I could still say, God, you are my refuge. Jesus, you are the one who gives me life and life in its fullest despite this suffering. Time will tell. We'll see. Now, if my dog Nellie could ask, God, why did you... Or, <laughs> she wouldn't call me God. That's weird. <laughs> Say, Dad, why did, why did you do this to me? You knew the risk when you brought me onto the golf course. You knew the risk when you let me swim in that lake with all the different things that were in there. And you even let me drink the water. I would say, yeah, but look at the awesome times that we had together. Look at the joy that you had as you... She didn't chase the geese. She was supposed to. <laughs> Look at the joy you had every time you got in the car and we got to the golf course and you jumped all over all the workers. <laughs> Look at the joy you experienced as you ran into the lake. And didn't you know that we were together that entire time? And that my love for you didn't stop even when you had cancer. I use this simple example because I think it, com it communicates the simplicity of God's love for us. That God is saddened by the pain that we feel in this life. That God is suffering as we experience suffering. But friends, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. What can separate us? Nothing. My prayer is that you would remember those words as you move forward today and as you encounter hardship in your life so that when you do encounter pain and suffering, or perhaps you're in the midst of it now, that your knee-jerk reaction would be to say, Lord, show me that you're here. Help me to feel your love through this community of believers. And I pray that we would be up to the task of supporting one another.
Amen. So we covered a lot of ground here today and as a way of refining uh, some of these things for your own heart.